Well, happy Mother's Day and welcome to Canton Church. We are so glad you're here today. If you are a mother in the room, would you stand really just to give yourself a huge pat on the back that you made it to church this morning and on time. Happy Mother's Day to you today. We honor you. Being a mama ain't easy, is it? We've got a top 10 list today that I thought would be fun to start out with. Top 10 ways you know you're a mom. When you put take a shower on your to-do list, and normally it finds its way on the bottom of your to-do list. Number two, when you go to the restroom and you're interrupted at least two times during that restroom visit. When you reheat your coffee three to four times and you still never finish it. That's how you know you're a mom. You know when you're a mom when a trip to the grocery store feels like a spontaneous vacation getaway. You know you're a mom when you know pain on three levels, regular pain, birth pain, and Lego pain. <laughs> if you've ever stepped on a Lego, you know how that feels. When you wash the same load of laundry three times because you keep forgetting to put it into the dryer. When you wake up in the middle of the night convinced someone is breaking into your home only to discover a low battery and a child's toy that has made it go all crazy. I've been there and done that. When goldfish crackers are a food group. When you haven't slept in a decade, you know you're a mom. Is that true? Yes. And number 10, you know when you're a mom, when it takes you three hours to watch a 30-minute television show. Last night, me and Jeremy were watching a television show, and I swear we paused that show probably 45 times for, like, different interruptions. So happy Mother's Day today. Being a mom is one of my greatest honors um, in life, if not the greatest honor. Um, and so we celebrate with you today and motherhood, but it's not easy being a mom. You know, when, when we got pregnant, we had the baby, or maybe you adopted a child, you were given this really nice book, and it was filled with all of the instructions on exactly what to do in every situation that you would ever face, regardless of the age of your child, when you became a mom. Did you receive that book in the hospital? I did not either, because if we're being honest, we are all winging it. Now, kids, close your ears so you don't know, but we're faking it. We fake it till we make it day in and day out. None of us really know what in the world we're doing. We just hope maybe we do a few things right. So instead of me sitting up here today and trying to tell you all of my thoughts on mothering or parenting and all of the things that we can pull through God's word. I thought it would be such a fun Mother's Day if you got to hear three different perspectives on motherhood from three amazing Canton Church ladies that I have with me up here today. And let me introduce them to you. We're going to start on the end here. First, we have Miss Jessica Smith. Now, let me tell you that between the four of us combined, there are 19 children represented, and most of them come from this end of the couch. <laughs> So there's Miss Jessica's beautiful family. She's a gorgeous mama of seven. She's got Juliana, Landon, Ashton, Houston, Lofton, Alaska, and beautiful little Paisley there in the end. And so welcome, Miss Jessica. Then we have Miss Gina. Miss Gina has Camden, Kimberly, Ashton, Matthew, Oakley, and Rig Aspen. Sorry, I'm so sorry, Aspen. 
I'm sorry, Aspen. I said it wrong. Aspen and Wrigley there at the little end. What a gorgeous family you have, Miss Gina. And we are thankful to have you up here today. Then we have the beautiful Miss Sue Hightower who has Jonathan and Stephanie and her beautiful family and now a beautiful daughter-in-law as well. So welcome today. So there's a few questions I'm going to ask you guys. First, I'm going to start off with all of you, but Miss Jessica will let you start. Can you tell me a funny or an embarrassing story you have as a mom? A loaded question, because I know we could all tell a bunch of them. But can you start with us telling us a funny or an embarrassing story? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, with seven kids, it's <laughs> every day, say, all day. We need, like our own TV show, it's kind of always something's always going on, whether it's something funny or something they do. Um, but I would have to say one of the funniest ones is um, with my second child. We only had two kids, and um, my son, he had a lot of GI problems when he was little, and he literally was sick every day up until, like, probably age eight, and he would get sick every day throwing up. And um, as time went on, I kind of could, like, read his face, and I could tell when it was going to happen. It was coming. Yeah. It was coming. <laughs> and so we were out to eat one time, and he was sitting with Adam across the table, and he just, he was probably less than a year old, I would say, and he just had that look. And so I told Adam, I was like, you better hurry up and just take him to the, to the bathroom. And so he got up, and when he got up, you know, you kind of pick him up and put him over your shoulder or whatever. And when he did that, he lost it. He just <laughs> threw up everywhere. And not only did he throw up all over Adam, but he somehow projectiled it all the way to the people behind us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so pretty much I grabbed Landon, went to the car, and I think Adam threw down a $100 bill. We had only had water, <laughs> and we left. Only had water, but here, take it all. And oh, we God. left, and we never went back. That's so great. That is so great. Miss Gina, do you have a funny or embarrassing mom story? Um, I know I have a lot, but this one kind of stuck out in my head. Um, so our first three babies... There were three years and three weeks between all three of them. So we had three in diapers at once. Um, Steve worked uh, about 70 hours a week. He works for Cobb County. Um, he's a sergeant over the Crimes Against Children unit. Um, and when you go into law enforcement, you don't do it for the money. Um, <laughs> and so he worked a lot of extra jobs. Um, he decided to go to school right after I had Camden to get his bachelor's. And then when I got pregnant with Aspen, um, he told me he was gonna finish and do his MBA. So I was exhausted. Um, I was also running a photography business. Um, so taking care of three babies, running a photography business, being almost a single mom was, was exhausting. Um, so anyway, Camden went to this little pre-K program. Um, and I, I did everything I could to get by day by day. And so sometimes I couldn't even remember the day of the week. And that was the problem here. Um, I got everybody dressed, got him loaded up, got all the rest of the babies loaded up, took them to school, dropped him off. Um, but he didn't go to school on a Friday. And they took him <laughs> because they just happened to have a mom's morning out that morning. And I apparently needed it. Um, but I didn't know until I came to carpool and picked him up and one of the sweet little teachers ran over to the car and she said, 
did you realize today was Friday? And I said, stop it. <laughs> so I never, um, never forgot that one That's for sure. Great. That's great. All right, Miss Sue, what's your embarrassing or favorite funny moment? Well, first of all, let me say I'm not up here because I'm a perfect mom no. by any means, but I am a passionate mom. And I feel like there's one responsibility that moms have, and I take it very seriously. And that is to periodically embarrass my children. Oh, absolutely. In public. Um, so if there's a good song on, wherever we are, <laughs> Wendy's, Target, wherever, a good song Target. comes on, the video. here I go. And I thought that lady was a pretty good dancer. I did too, I don't Miss know Sue. why people laugh. But, um, so um, we went on vacation, and um, they were having entertainment one night. And towards the end, they said, okay, anyone who wants to learn how to do this line dance, come on up. So I'm all excited, and I looked at my family, and I go, come on, let's go up. And they all looked at me and said, no. <laughs> They are such party poopers. Yes. I am not a party pooper. <laughs> so I went up. But I did get in the back because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I don't mind embarrassing them, but I didn't want to embarrass myself. So I got in the back, and we danced, and it was so much fun. There were probably 50 people up there. So we finished, and I was all pumped, and I come down, and I look, and my family was gone. All three of them were gone. And I thought, well, maybe they came up closer because they wanted to see what a great job I was doing. I went back up front, and they weren't there. And so I found out they all got up and went back to the room. I think they were just scared to death that you I was going to You did your job them. as a mom, though. You embarrassed them. I, I take that very seriously. Yes, yes. good job. <laughs> Good job. So great. Well, we all have some amazing mom stories. I could tell several that embarrassed myself and my children. But we'll go back to you, Miss Jessica. So we're here in church. You have seven children. You aged from 16 to 2, so you're kind of in all stages of life. But I would say that all of us say that we value spending time with the Lord, like devotionals, all of that. How in the world do you find time to make or have a personal relationship of any kind with Jesus while having young children? Well, it can be a struggle. Um, I do. I have seven, and I also homeschool five of them. And so um, I think every day for me, it just looks different. It's not a regular schedule. Um, some people want that or need that. To me, it just has to go with the flow. And so a lot of times, it sometimes I can get up, manage to get up before the kids and have my quiet time or whatever. Um, but honestly, a lot of it happens um, when we're doing school. I can get the older five started on their school, and then um, the younger two or three, whatever, I can just have them coloring, reading their books. <laughs> they can just... They can just be right there with me, and in the middle of everybody, I can just have my quiet time. And that might be chaotic for some people, but I remember growing up always seeing my mom in the Word, and it impacted me in a big way. And so as much as I love my alone time with the Lord, 
I want my kids to see me in the word. I want yeah. them to see me journaling. I want them to see me just having that time with him. Um, and, you know, so I just like to invite them in. Sometimes I say, okay, it's Bible time, and they have their quiet time, and I have my quiet time. Um, worship's a big thing for us in our house. We love music, and so sometimes it's just as simple as it putting worship music on, and we just blast it, and the little ones can dance, and and then I'm getting, you know, God loves to speak to me during worship, so every day that. is just completely different, but I, I make that. sure that, that it happens in one way or the other. I love that, because I think that sometimes we can put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to do it so long, so many times a day, can't be missed, when really God just craves an organic relationship with us out of our personality. So I love kind of just incorporating that even into your motherhood. Gina, you have a really cool story. You have three biological children at first, two adopted children, and then you have a little baby, Wrigley. So you have a blended family. It's gorgeous. And you chose to adopt even after having biological children. But for women in the room today or moms in the room today who have either considered adoption for whatever reason, whether they just have a heart to adopt or maybe um, they haven't been able to have their own children, what would you say about that process and about bringing children into your home and being able to love them um, like your own? Um, so that's a loaded question. I know. Um, but um, I... Uh, we kind of always knew we were going to adopt even before we got married. Um, and I just believe that when God calls you to do something, he equips you to do it. Um, and he does call us to take care of orphans and widows. Um, and so that doesn't have to be adoption, but in one way or another, we're called to do that. So he would never call us to do something um, that he wouldn't equip us to do. Um, I, th I think with adoption, um, sorry, my hair's in my mouth. Um, with adoption, um, for us, and what I continued to, what I always hear is that if, if it weren't so expensive, um, we'd do it, and, um, and I sympathize with that because, um, we definitely, uh, put it off for a little while because of that, but what was so neat in our process was that every time, um, we would, you know, God just proved himself over and over again. Um, with that, and um, adoption is God's favorite thing, and um, we're all adopted into the body of Christ, and so it kind of got to the point where um, I just sort of, after seeing him time and time again, felt like, how in the world could I have ever doubted, um, and there's one story that I love to share that um, was just so awesome. Um, about halfway through our adoption process, it was in May, um, and our air conditioner went out, and we knew with three kids we couldn't go through May or June or July without an air conditioner. Um, and we um, had fee after fee after fee, and we just didn't have it. And we had um, somebody come out and look at it, and it was going to be right at about $3,000. Um, we knew we had some big fees coming up, and we just kind of were trying to figure out what in the world we were going to do. Um, so Steve just kind of said, let's think about it this weekend and we'll figure it out. Um, and so we prayed and stressed and prayed some more. Um, and then Sunday um, was our building. We had a building fund day when we were back at Sequoia. And he turned and said to me, I feel like we're supposed to give such and such. Um, so I said, okay. Um, and it was literally like 
us giving the widow's might. It was all we had um, at that point. And uh, so we just kind of knew we were going to have to trust God. Um, and neat little story, um, we had opened up a FedEx account um, for all the paperwork that we were doing for the adoption. So every time we would get a package or send a package, we could track it or get an email on it. So fr that Friday, Steve had asked me, he said, do you know we're getting a package from USAA? He said, do you have any idea what that is? And I said, no. I said, maybe some um, replacement cards or something like that. Um, so Monday rolls around, and uh, I was up at the front desk working at the kids' school at the time. And he calls me up, and he's singing. And Steve doesn't sing. He would like to sing, but he doesn't sing. <laughs> and, um, and I said, what in the world? And he said, you remember that package that we were supposed to get from USA? And I said, yeah. And he said, um, apparently, a few years ago, when we were supposed to refinance our, or when we refinanced our house, they were off a fraction of a percentage of a point. And um, which the best that they could calculate would have been three or $400. And so to avoid a lawsuit with everybody that they were off that fraction of a percentage of a point, they um, kind of overgave back and sent everybody a check. And we had a check in the mail for $2,965, which was almost to the dollar what that air conditioner was gonna cost. Um, and it was just God saying, you know, I have this. This is not your concern, you know? This is my will, you're doing exactly what I've called you to do, and I have this. And it was just a sweet carry on with it. Um, and one last thing I wanna say, too, is that we, um, we went through, believe it or not, I know I sit up here with six kids, but we went through about two years of infertility trying to get pregnant with Camden. Um, and then we had three back-to-back, -back, and then, like Corey said, we went through a nine-year stretch where we didn't have a baby. Um, we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. Um, we adopted the two, and then a month later, we got back from China and found out we were pregnant. Um, and so God's that was... kind of funny that way. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the hardest time I can remember going through. And I just want to say, if you're going through something like that or infertility, just trust him. He has a plan, and it's perfect, and his timing is perfect, um, and he knows exactly what he's doing. So. so good. You know, you talk about God providing um, in moments of need, and I know we have single moms in the room, too, uh, today. My mom was a single mom, so I know we don't have a single mom represented on the stage, but my heart goes out to single moms. I know how hard uh, you work, and I remember moments where my mom would, would not know like where the next amount of money would come. She was an incredibly hard worker. She had three, three daughters, an incredibly hard worker. Um, but there were just sometimes like the money didn't meet all of the needs. And I remember she would pray. I would hear her in the, in the back room, and she'd be praying, God, please provide, please provide. And I would remember her going down to the mailbox, on, and honestly, more than five occasions probably, and she would come back up the driveway. We lived on a steep hill, and she'd come back up the driveway, and she'd be bawling, and she'd have a check, and she'd just, she couldn't even talk. She'd just kind of lay it on the counter. She's like, see, God did it again. God did it again, girls. God did it again. So even if you're a single mom in this room today, um, God can provide in those kind of supernatural ways. And so if you're a single mom today, I applaud you for the hard work that you do. And I do believe and know that God can provide every need you have. So thank you for sharing that story. Um, Gina, 
And to all of you, you know, we sit out here, we have, uh, we have young kids. Miss Sue, your kids are, are a little older, now full-time job out of the house. And so we have all of that age groups and all of those age groups represented even today. Some people have grandchildren out here. How do you, um, and we'll go to you first, Miss Sue, how do you relate or how did you find that you relate um, to different kids at different seasons or stages of life. I know like even Gina and Miss Jessica, they have teenagers in their home down to, to newborns, one and two-year-olds in their home. Um, and so kind of spread out trying to deal with all kinds of different age groups. But how do you find that you, you balanced that when they were in your home? Okay. Well, um, our two children are very different. They're two and a half years apart. They were very close growing up, and they're still very close, good friends. Um, but their personalities are so very different. Jonathan, being the oldest, he was the rule follower. He would get crushed if he was disciplined at school. You know, if he had to go to the silent lunch table, oh my gosh, it just, <laughs> it just killed him. Stephanie, on the other hand, is a little more independent and um, a little more independent. <laughs> and uh, so if she had to go to the silent lunch table, it got to where they didn't even say, Stephanie, you need to go to the silent lunch table. It was. And you're in education. Yes. We should and, say too. Yes. You know, teachers, children. I, I'm sorry. And uh, so they would do point, and Stephanie would pick it up, and she was happy to go to the silent lunch table and didn't think about it anymore. So um, it's interesting to see how those personalities um, have really helped them with what they're doing now. Jonathan's an educator, so, you know, he's the rule follower, and, and um, he's a great teacher, a great leader. Stephanie... Her independence has allowed her to travel, do missions. Um, she's still traveling, doing conservation work, and it's just so much fun to still see those personalities um, as adults. But to help us through, even though they had very different personalities, we basically had one rule at our house, and it was we need to be able to trust you. You know, as they got older and, you know, they were driving and we'd tell them that's our car, we bought it, but we're glad for you to use it as long as we can trust you. You have a cell phone, we pay for it. We are so glad for you to have it and use it as long as we can trust you. Um, if trust was broken, then the keys came back or the phone came back or the computer came back and it wasn't a set amount of time. We didn't say, okay, you're grounded for a week or a month or whatever. We'd say, the amount of time is until we can trust you again. Get that trust back. So you just have to earn it back. Oh, sorry. Kids, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, keys, keys are a great tool. Cell phones, great tool. But it really was about trust. Um, coming home on time going where you say you're going, being with who you say you're going to be with, and let your house be the hangout. We loved having kids come. We went broke those teenage <laughs> years, all especially them, right? with Jonathan, but uh, we loved that. But rule number one, 
because we have to trust you. That's great. I love that funny story about um, kids coming in. The other day, me and Jeremy were sitting on the couch. We actually had some company come, uh, come over, and they were sitting on the couch talking to us, and all of a sudden, the back door opens, and I see these little kids kind of scurry through the kitchen, and then I hear them in the pantry, and then they scurry out, and they kind of stop at the back door, and I realize none of those kids are mine. <laughs> All of my children were either at practice or downstairs or upstairs, and sure enough, the neighbor's kids, we kind of have like this open-door policy, the neighbor's kids had kind of come into the house, and, and I like snack food, like junk food a lot, and so the, the neighbors know that, and so all of these three little kids from the neighbor's house had just come in the back door, gone to the pantry, I hear all the chips, and then they ran out with like this loot of food, you know, and, and Jeremy said, you have got to quit that, we can't even feed our own children, <laughs> we can feed our own children, but it was funny, you will grow broke feeding the neighbors but okay miss jessica how do you relate to all of your kids in different stages of life especially while they're all at home um that's a difficult question i mean it can definitely um be a struggle to relate to them all um i think you know i have baby babies little ones um so you know for them it's like teaching it's like I'm not hovering over them, but it's like they're, they need constant attention and constant watching and teaching them right and wrong and no, don't do that, or teaching them how to speak and everything else. And so it's, um, it's a balance and that it, it's just a balance in like just trying to figure it all out to where the older ones, it's more or less, I've taught them all that and it's trusting that everything that I taught them when they were little um, that I taught them right, and now it's like releasing them a little bit. I mean, they're not older, you know, to where they're leaving the house, but, you know, I have a driver now. Yeah. So it's like, that's a little bit scary, you sure. know, and it's just, it's just trusting God with them and trusting that, that they know what they're doing, and it's, um, so it's just it's just, just a challenge. I think that I try to really embrace every season and every stage that they're in. Um, I've never been one to really want to like rush a season, um, even the sleepless nights or the terrible twos or you know the hormones of teenage years. Like I just truly, for me, I try to just truly embrace it and learn from it, and because um, it does go by so fast. And so I just try to relate to them at where they're at. And you know, it might be hovering over the little ones and talking a lot and telling them a lot. But for my older ones, I'm finding that it's more sitting back and listening That's and good. just being an ear for them and yeah. being and showing them support and love and just that I've got their back. I love that. Um, so I would say it's just, it's a combination of everything and just really just embracing the season that they're in and just being their number one support. I love that. Gina, what about you? Do you find it difficult and how do you balance it all with all their little personalities? Yeah, they're very different. Um, so a lot of the same as Jessica. Um, a lot of it just is kind of self-explanatory. You're in completely different stages, so you do what that stage needs. Um, I heard uh, Joyce Meyer say a few nights ago, she said, God gives you grace for your place, and I thought, that's so good. Um, you know, I, um, I've got two girls that I homeschool, I've got two babies, or a baby and a toddler. I have another one that's in, a, a, in school, or well, two of them that are in uh, different schools. 
Um, so I fail constantly. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, navigating different stages in life, like with my bigger-est kids, is things like making sure he smiles when people talk to him, um, things like that. Um, Whereas with my little one, I'm making sure he doesn't throw his head back when he throws a tantrum, you know, just different things. Um, you know, but it's just all, it's just different, just depending on the different stage that you're in. Um, and I know that this sounds so simplistic, but um, once I kind of got to the point where I just accepted where I was in life at the time and wasn't constantly stressed about it or frustrated, um, I was released to be able to enjoy that. And I think we rob ourselves of that when we are constantly feeling bedrudging. Or, you know, I've heard so many people say the teenage years are so hard, and um, they are, you know, but at the same time, it's, it's your kid, and, and that's just where they're at in life, and so are the toddler years. So, um, you know, when you get to the point that you can just kind of accept it, you know, and, and enjoy it, you're released to do that. And um, I, I feel like it's kind of like laundry. Um, with my kids, I always tell them, if you'll just do it, it'll be done. <laughs> Instead of sitting there and I get, my kids get all Napoleon Dynamite on me and they're like, oh, <laughs> or, you know, gosh. But they I were like, they were like mom, please too. don't, I told them I was gonna do Napoleon Dynamite. They were like, please don't do that. <laughs> But, um, but for real, you know, it just if you can accept where you're at, then, then you're released to just enjoy it. And that's, and that's really so any stage. simple, but so true. Absolutely. Any stage mm -hmm. of life, whether you're absolutely empty nester or have grandchildren, just enjoy every stage. I love that. Love that. All right, Miss Sue, you're our last okay. question of the okay. day. Are you ready? Fine. All right. Your children are adults, and you have a beautiful daughter-in-law now. And I know that sometimes when we think of, of mothering, we think of, of when they're in your home and you have full control. Um, well, I say full control. I think maybe we may think we have full control, but um, full responsibility, maybe I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, but yours are out of the house. So how have you, over the last few years, navigated being a mom, having that mother heart, but kind of relinquishing control and still, still mothering, but not in that mothering kind of way? Right. I guess it was a lot easier when they were at home because yeah. um, a lot of times I'd say, here's what you're going to, going to do, you know, here's how it's going to be. And now, um, as they got older, before they left home, uh, we started um, giving them more independence and let's talk about this. And um, I mentioned trust before, starting to trust them to make those good decisions, but still guiding them. Um, and it's still kind of like that. So um, Jonathan will call and, hey, Mom, you know, can I talk to you about this? And oh, I love it when that happens or when Stephanie calls. It just makes you feel so good Sweet. that they still want to talk things over with you. And so... I try to talk to them about, um, look at the pros and cons. I think that's the teacher in me, um, going through school to become a teacher, it was always write a reflection. How did this go? How did that go? Um, what worked? What didn't work? And so I'm big on when there's a decision to make, um, weighing the pros and cons to 
either way you go. Um, and then I always say, once you do that, you just need to pray. You need to ask God for his wisdom, his guidance, ask the Holy Spirit to just really reveal to you and give you a confidence in your decision. Yeah. And then always before we hang up, I say, and know that I'm gonna be praying for you about this decision. Even though sometimes I have such a strong opinion of what I want them to do, it goes back to that rule we had in our house about trust. And now I have to show trust in them that they're going to hear from God. They're going to follow the Holy Spirit. And they're going to make good decisions. That's so good. And we all mess up. Sometimes we make decisions that right. are not so good. And you have to allow them to do that too. Absolutely. And then show them how to pick those pieces up. So um, I just like for them to know I'm there, even though they're an adult, and I'm here to listen, or I'm here to help pick up pieces. I love that. And one quick bonus question. Okay. You worked outside the home. Yes. What was your biggest challenge with raising kids, having children, and working outside the home for all those working mamas? Yeah. Well, it, it's difficult, but I'll tell you what. My husband was a huge support. I mean, doing dishes, laundry, whatever. Um, it was a point where they were both, they're two and a half years apart, so both very small. Um, it seemed like so much. And Brian said, you know, if you really want to stay home, then do that. So here I was with my pros and cons list, yeah. you know, at that <laughs> point. Um, it would have been very difficult financially because we were both teachers. Um, and I loved what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's okay. Yes. I think for a lot of us, we feel like that if we, for moms that want to work, mm -hmm. they, feel, they feel a little guilty that maybe they want to work and not be home. But I think it's right. totally okay right. to have outside yeah. passion. So I love that, that you I loved your job. I did love what I was doing. And of course, when we, were, we first got pregnant, um, the first thought, oh my gosh, who's gonna keep my child while I work? And um, one of my favorite students ever in my classroom came up to me and, and they happened to live in our neighborhood. And she said, my mom wanted me to tell you that she'll be glad to keep your baby for Aww. you. <laughs> so it, it's like God just, I was where I was supposed to be. That's so great. Um, so it worked well. My hat goes off to single moms. Oh yeah. my gosh, I don't know how you do it. My sister-in-law was a single mom for yeah. quite a few years. And if I had not had Brian to help carry the load, I don't know how I would have done it. So y'all are my heroes. I don't know yeah. how you do it. Yeah. Well, can we give it up for our wonderful ladies today for sharing? Thank you guys so much. Um, you know, we said at the beginning that there really is no handbook. And you saw today three different perspectives, and four if you include any of the crazy things I threw in there. But So four different perspectives on motherhood, and none of them were wrong. Um, so we all kind of approach this thing so differently, yet we, we have one desire, and that's to try to do the, the best we can. You know, here at Canton Church, we have um, our mission statement is because generations matter. 
You know, sometimes we sit as a mom and we, we kind of go back in our head of all of the things that we might have done wrong or that we are doing wrong. And, um, and there's, we just wish that maybe there was something. And, you know, we have God's word that gives us wisdom, that helps us to know the way to live and the things to do. But as a mom, there's not really a specific thing in the Bible that you can find that says, as a parent or as a mom, do this. There's only really one mandate we have as parents or as a mom. And the one mandate that we can find through Scripture is that we are to point our children towards a relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's our only goal. It says to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. The verse that we use here at Canton Church, it says it's for you, your children, and your grandchildren. This thing is bigger than me and you and my children. It's for generations, and it is to point them towards a loving, heavenly Father. So if you have children in your home and you feel like, I don't even know what to do or how to do this, I say turn to God's Word for wisdom, and then in all things live out what it looks like to have a personal relationship with Jesus and to help them in all of their decisions to point them towards a relationship with the Father. It's our only mandate. It's the only requirement. So whether you have your children eating Little Debbie's for breakfast or organic vegetables and fruit, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's all about pointing them to Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about not use wisdom, but point them to Jesus. If you are the mom who drops the pacifier and then goes puts it in boiling water before you dare put it back in your child's mouth, or you're like me and you like kind of pop it in your mouth and then pop it back in the baby's mouth, it doesn't matter. Whether when your child gets their driver's license, you allow them to drive at the age of 16 or you make them wait. Whether you decide to pay for their college education or make them work to pay for it whether you help provide for their wedding or not, like whatever it is, your rules of your home that you have established, that's really up to you and you using God's word for wisdom. But you have one requirement, one mandate from Scripture, and it is to point them to a loving, heavenly Father. Sounds easy, but it means that we are held accountable for the way that we live, the way that we talk, the things that we do, the way that we discipline. And then when they make a mistake, be grace-filled, just like our Father, our Heavenly Father, has been to us. So on this Mother's Day, let me let you off the hook. You have not ever done anything too bad that can't be forgiven or any mistake that's too bad that relationships can't be reconciled. And it's never too late, regardless of the age of your children, to show them what it looks like to live a life that points towards Jesus. So if you're here today and you're a mom and you feel like you got it wrong, there's always tomorrow. You can make it right. Ask God to forgive you and heal you and fix you and help you moving forward to have a relationship with him that is so obvious and so visible that your kids just follow. Will you stand with me today? I really am very passionate about motherhood. What an honor it is to have children in your home. 
or to work with children here at the church, or if you're a teacher, an educator to have children in your classroom, they walk in the doors of your room and you don't know what's going on in their home. And aren't we thankful today for the grace of God that says, you don't know where I can say, I don't know what I'm doing, but God's grace is enough. So I celebrate you moms today, knowing that I really do believe you have one of the hardest jobs in all of the world yet one of the most rewarding. And if you are in here today and your desire is to be a mom and that hasn't happened for you, know that I pray for you even when I don't know you. That God will give you the deepest desires of your heart today and I believe that he will. So happy Mother's Day to you and thank you for celebrating with us at Canton Church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to celebrate moms here in this room. What an incredible honor that you have entrusted to each of us to lead, guide, and direct our children into the knowledge and love of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Help us in all that we do and all of our ways to acknowledge you and to point our kids towards you to give us wisdom in our decision-making and to help us to be able to lead and guide them and help them make right decisions and them make right choices and you to be the grace that we need in all of it. I pray today for the single moms who carry a heavy burden, who do both jobs, and maybe they work outside the home as well, that you would be enough. You say that you are our heavenly Father. I can attest today that that is true. So will you be enough for them? Will you provide all of their needs and give them the strength that is required to make it through the day and to point their children towards you? I pray for all the moms that work outside the home that you would give them grace and help them balance. To all those mamas who work in or stay at home, Father, that you would give them patience in the day in and day out of all of the chores that have to be done. I pray for all those who desire to be a mom, that you would give them the deepest desires of their heart. I pray for marriages today, that they would be strengthened in you and that our children would grow up in homes and that they would see a reflection of the love of Jesus Christ because of the example of a mom and dad and the love they have for one another. Help us today at Canton Church to be women that chase and pursue a personal relationship with you. And that it wouldn't just be for us, but that it would be for our children and our children's children, and that they would say that they have a relationship with you and that generations forever will be changed. We ask all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com. 